Hello, I'm Rob Johnson. In this episode of A Kilo of String, I will definitely not be using words like selfie, twerking, jorts, derp or fablet, all of which were apparently added to the Oxford English Dictionary in 2013. Instead, I'll be using words like oil, both the eating and the heating varieties, useless waste of space, marmite and stool sample, but not necessarily in that order. Oh yes, and Christmas. I'll start with that. To quote John Lennon and the opening lines of one of the only three Christmas songs worth listening to, that's another year over and a new one just begun. In case you're interested, the other two songs are Greg Lake's I Believe in Father Christmas and The Pogues and Kirsty McColl's Fairy Tale of New York. You may well deduce my attitude to Christmas in general and its attendant Muzak in particular from the somewhat less than cheery lyrics of all three of these songs, but this partly stems from having once worked in a large department store during the Yuletide shopping frenzy, one of my many temporary jobs in the past, and I was inflicted with this musical equivalent of snuff movies for eight solid hours every single day. One of these songs, which was rather unimaginatively called The Christmas Song, went on about things like turkey and mistletoe and roasting chestnuts on an open fire. I've no idea how many people were roasting chestnuts in Greece this Christmas, but there were certainly plenty of open fires. This was because the Greek government raised the tax on heating oil in 2012 by a massive 50% in an attempt to swell the state's coffers. Not surprisingly to anyone, other than members of the government itself, this resulted in a huge drop in the sales of heating oil and the state making even less money than before. It also meant that people resorted to burning anything they could lay their hands on just to keep warm which in turn led to major pollution problems, especially in the cities and larger towns. So how did the government respond? Well, in line with the philosophy which underpins the majority of its policy decisions that this makes no economic sense whatsoever, so let's do it anyway, the government decided not to reduce the duty on heating oil this winter, but instead banned the burning of all solid fuels in many areas of Athens and elsewhere. Given the choice between freezing to death and flouting a direct government order, most people chose the logical option to stay warm. So, more pollution and still no increased income for the state. Using electrical heating isn't a viable option either, since many people can't afford it or have had their electricity supply cut off already. Interestingly, I read recently that New Democracy, the major political party in the government coalition, had failed to pay the electricity bill for its headquarters in Athens. As far as I'm aware, they haven't been cut off yet, but I wonder what would have happened if they had been. Good grief, it's freezing in here. How can I be expected to run the country in these conditions? The electric's been cut off, Prime Minister. Yes, I know that, but... Will somebody shut that damn door? Sorry, Prime Minister. So what's the matter with the central heating? Can't afford the heating oil. But this is preposterous. Not only am I freezing my troikas off, but I can hardly see a thing with these damn candles. And how in the name of Nana Muscuri am I supposed to sharpen my pencil without electricity? Answer me that, eh? I'm afraid you'll have to use a manual toothbrush from now on as well, Prime Minister. 
Oh, that really is the last straw. Where the hell is Stoneras? Who? Weasel-faced fellow with a U.S. Marine's hairstyle. Calls himself the finance minister or some such. Oh, he's down in the cellar looking for stuff to burn on the stove. We've already got through half the office furniture and all the copies of the Lagarde list. But I thought fires were illegal in this area. Environment Minister signed a special exemption agreement just for this building. Oh, who is? Ah, uh, you, Prime Minister. Well, that's something, I suppose. But what we need to do now is... Sorry to interrupt, Prime Minister. It's your mother online, so... Oh, hell, that's all I need. Hello, Mama. Don't you hello, Mama, me, you useless waste of space. Do you realise I'm sitting here all alone in the dark, freezing to death, with no telly and Downton Abbey's due to start in five minutes? And to cap it all, I can't even use my Game Boy because the batteries are... Hello, Mama. What's happened to the phone? I have an idea that may have been cut off now as well, Prime Minister. Oh, well, I suppose we have to be grateful for small mercies. The only thing I actually look forward to about Christmas is that it means our olive harvest will usually be over and done with by then. Regular listeners, yes, both of you, may remember that I devoted an entire episode to this topic last December in which I described the mind-numbing tedium and inherent dangers of olive harvesting. Here's a brief extract. Although I'm generally in favour of preserving traditional farming methods, and I'm totally against the idea of genetically modifying crops, or anything else for that matter, when it comes to olive trees, I would be prepared to make an exception. A friend and I discussed this recently, and decided that it shouldn't be beyond the wit of some scientist or other to design the GM self-harvesting olives. This would be achieved by equipping each olive with its own tiny machete, which it would use to cut through its stalk and detach itself from the tree. It could also have a mini parachute, so that the fruit wouldn't be bruised when it hit the ground, as well as little legs to enable it to walk to the nearest sack and climb into it. Sometime after hearing this, another friend of mine sent me a brilliant cartoon of exactly the kind of genetically modified self-harvesting olives I'd described so I posted it on my website and was amazed by the response. Within 24 hours of posting the cartoon, I had visitors to the site from Morocco, Israel, Lebanon, in fact pretty much every one of the olive oil-producing countries on the planet. They'd presumably spotted GM self-harvesting olives on Google or wherever and rushed eagerly to find out more. I can only imagine their disappointment when all they got was a cartoon of parachuting olives with tiny little legs instead of a major new cost-cutting development in olive production. Interestingly, I've just noticed on the 2013 summary report for my website that the GM Olives post was the most viewed of all the posts I've done this year. If you haven't seen the cartoon, you can find it on my website at rob-johnson.org.uk where you can also listen to the olive harvesting episode in its entirety. It's episode 10 and it's called I'd Rather Eat My Own Face, which should give you a bit of a clue how I feel about the annual bashing of our 400 olive trees. As a slight aside, it's quite interesting seeing which countries my website visitors come from and also how they got to the site. The site statistics even tell me what a visitor typed into a search engine to get there. Some of these are a bit odd like Samaras chickens, 
dog with microphone, comedy toilet images, and golden dawn sinking. Nice thought. But my favourite so far has to be string in stool sample. Now, I hope whoever put this into Google was someone who'd listened to my podcast before and had a vague memory that the series was called A Kilo of String and that episode 6 included an item about how people setting up new food businesses in Greece have to provide a stool sample to the authorities because of some weird notion about health and safety. If not, then the person who was simply looking for information about string in stool sample must have a serious health issue, and I sincerely hope that they found some useful and encouraging advice on how to deal with it, but they certainly wouldn't have done from my website. I did actually Google the phrase myself, and my website was the tenth item listed, with the rather unflattering title of Stool Samples, Rob Johnson. Fifth on the list was for wikianswers.com with the title What would cause white string-like things in your stool? I didn't look up the answer to this, but I'd guess the article would be called something like Eating White String, and the solution would be Stop Eating White String. But I digress. Back to olive harvesting matters. There are only two good things to say about our own harvest this year. One is that it's finally over, and the other is that we produced a fair bit more oil than we'd expected. But not just any old olive oil. Ours is organic, extra virgin, single estate, cold-pressed olive oil, and we've often been complimented on its quality. This is all well and good, of course, except for one thing. I have to confess that, personally speaking, I really don't like the stuff that much. OK, so it's well known that olive oil is incredibly healthy and helps to protect you from heart disease, high blood pressure, strokes, some forms of cancer, and for all I know, very possibly the bubonic plague and leprosy as well. So all in all, very good for you. Presumably this means that as long as you deep-fry things like chips in olive oil, this instantly turns them into a health food, so you can eat as many as you like without feeling guilty. And in Scotland, apparently, they've tried deep-frying in batter almost everything which is generally considered to be fit for human consumption, and maybe even some things that aren't. So the Scots have gained a bit of a reputation for unhealthy eating. However, if they were to deep-fry their pizzas, Mars bars and Cadbury's cream eggs in olive oil instead of whatever it is they use at the moment, this image would be transformed overnight. I haven't actually tried eating a Mars bar that's been deep-fried in olive oil myself as yet, but I'm sure if I did I'd feel as smug and self-righteous as if I'd just ploughed my way through a kilo of raw broccoli. Who knows, it may well even count as one of my five a day. But other than a way of convincing myself that anything deep-fried in olive oil is actually good for you, I'm really not that fussed. All right, if you're going to use oil as a salad dressing, olive oil is definitely the best choice and is generally recommended by all of the top TV chefs. I certainly can't imagine the likes of Jamie Oliver saying, so I've literally finished putting together this literally beautiful salad and literally all I need to do now is literally bosh some of this lovely golden genetically modified sunflower oil all over it. No, can't really imagine that. On balance, though, when it comes to salads, you can keep your olive oil vinaigrette as far as I'm concerned. Give me a big dollop of Hellman's mayonnaise any day of the week, or even at a pinch, 
a generous helping of good old-fashioned Heinz salad cream. Greek people use olive oil by the barrel load, of course, because the whole country is awash with the stuff every winter after the olive harvest. In ancient times, they didn't just use it for cooking. They also used to daub themselves with it after a bath and wash their hair with it. I don't suppose many Greeks still use it for these purposes nowadays, as there are plenty of alternatives on the market, such as Dr. Papadopoulos's after-bath embalming gel and Shiny Locks Dandruff Be Gone All-in-One Shampoo, Conditioner and Scalp Scrub. So, what else do they use all this oil for? Well, for one, Greek people tend to use it instead of butter, which, for a country that pretty much invented the entire concept of civilization, seems to me to be a retrograde step which almost borders on barbarism. I mean, I've never actually tried making a peanut butter or marmite sandwich with olive oil instead of butter, but I imagine that the result must be pretty unpleasant, to say the least. And what about toast? You sit down for your breakfast with a couple of slices, grilled to perfection, and then what? Whack on a load of olive oil and then a thick layer of Cooper's Old English Chunky Orange Marmalade? I don't think so. Bring on the Lurpak, I say, and plenty of it. It's just occurred to me that I've mentioned quite a few brand names in the last minute or so, and in the spirit of product placement, if anyone happens to be listening from Cadbury's, Mars, Heinz, Hellman's, Marmite, Cooper's Marmalade or Lurpak, please email me for details of where to send all the free stuff. And if you're a manufacturer of genetically modified sunflower oil, please don't bother. Did I mention what a wonderful piece of machinery the Harley-Davidson motorcycle is, by the way? Right, that ought to do it. But before I go, here's a quick product placement of my own. The paperback edition of my comedy thriller Lifting the Lid is now available, and details are on my website at rob-johnson.org.uk. OK, many thanks for listening, and I wish you all the best for the new year. Until next time, cheers. Nasta kala ke kalikronyat.